Hello, welcome to Underlying Frequencies. I'm your host, Maya Giselle Savidra, and today I'll be talking to my professor, Jared Halter. He teaches uh, CGL 145, along with other dialogue-based courses here at CMU. And I'm going to talk to him today about CMU's use of the name Chippewa as our nickname, um, along with some other things about CMU. Um, shout out to CMU Board of Trustees and other CMU faculty. Please don't take away my scholarship. My name is Jared Halter, uh, postdoctoral uh, teaching fellow and interview dialogue at Central Michigan University. I've been teaching here for this is my third semester, so I arrived in August of 2019. Um, the, the classes I primarily teach are uh, the CGL 145 Racism and Discrimination in the United States, uh, which we explore through intergroup dialogue. And I also teach um, WGS 100, uh, How Gender Affects Our Lives. And then I uh, have taught um, a social justice leadership course that was a graduate level course in the educational leadership program. And in the fall of next year, I will teach um, the uh, masculinities and feminities dialogue, uh, intergroup dialogue course that will be offered for the first time. Well, that all sounds very interesting. And I'm sure, I mean, a lot of uh, listeners would probably be interested in those classes as well. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on. Last week, I met with a representative from the the cultural center seventh generation one of the things that he kind of told me um was that you know he had opinions and he really wanted to inform more people and kind of talk about what he wanted cmu to bring but he was also reluctant because he was worried that uh, the tribe was going to face backlash from cmu if they shared like unflattering information or if he shared kind of unflattering opinions so how do you kind of feel about that as a CMU faculty member? <laughs> the easy question right off the bat. <laughs> um, I think that most faculty and staff members uh, would feel differently than I do because of the, the work uh, and, and what I teach where we really kind of use critical lenses to examine how race uh, and power and domination and subordination have kind of like happened throughout the history of the United States. Um, and I think when we think about like, um, this means that all in all our social institutions, whether that's education, politics, law and government, um, healthcare, um, you know, media, when you think about that, we take that into consideration, when we think about like uh, Central Michigan University is a predominantly white institution, which means that the white people, historically, the white people have been the primary like faculty and they still are primarily make up the faculty, primarily. Like you'll primarily make up the staff, like historically and presently. I would imagine that the vast majority, if not all, of our board of trustees have been white. Um, that, that means like our deans, our VPs, like all these people have been white. And so I think that like when this person talks about that, and, and then we think about like the, the historical relationship between um, whites and how they've operated both politically and socially and culturally and economically in relation to Native and Indigenous peoples. Um, so I think when we think about that and we think about the history of what white people have, have done to this power dynamic of domination and genocide um, carried out by white people as a group, right. we think about the history of these relationships that have shaped you know, where we are today, the, the feelings of, of different people, um, white people then thus always kind of predominantly be in positions of power and authority and get into their viewpoint and, and what they believe kind of like sets the tone and, and and indigenous people have, have had the inverse of that, where they have not had that type of power um, related to white people in terms of the social hierarchy. Um, so I think that 
person says that, what I hear is that, you know, the tribe wants to be careful because while um, we, as an institution, takes a stance that, yes, we, we like, we'll work with the tribe, we'll do whatever the tribe wants. There's a history of when the tribe has asked us to change the name, we said no. Mm. Um, and I think that, like, we have, you know, if you think about this, like COVID, we have a huge amount of people here, and we tried to bring back, um, and this is not saying we shouldn't have had, like, in-person classes or not, but, like, this is, like, the effect that we have on the tribe, where the tribe, if we didn't bring back all these people in, like, let's say we had mass outbreak. We had some outbreak, and then we started to get under control. So we had a mass outbreak where, like, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, like, you know, every week now interacting with the community and the tribe. We're now, like, putting the tribe. So our actions have, like, hugely disproportionate, like, ramifications for the tribe because of the number of people that we we have. Here's what that person saying is there is a, there's a power dynamic between Central Michigan University and the tribe. And while the Central Michigan University says the tribe and, and Central Michigan are on equal footing, that is not necessarily the way the tribe feels. And the tribe feels that the university, like, dictates the pace, dictates the terms, or has more influence or power in, in determining those things. The university probably can, can do things because of its sheer size and economic force um, and different capital and different things like that to, that could have like disproportionate adverse effects on the tribe, the tribe cannot do the same. This isn't about races or not races. This is about um, like you put white, like white people uh, and their perspectives and, and whiteness and, and the interests of white people are at the center of how we have mm-hmm. Um And that sounds like we are not doing the job as a university to counteract that when we um, work with the tribe. And so that means that the tribe then feels like they have to be more careful about upsetting the university because of the power the university has. Because you brought up coronavirus, which is something I, I hadn't even thought of. So can you um, just touch a little bit on about how we're putting the tribe in danger? Before I go on record as saying, like, the university is intentionally putting the tribe in <laughs> I think so people will try and read it and they may try and twist words and things like that in quotes. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that because of the fact that we have, you know, 15,000, 20,000 people, you think about the number of people that live in Mount Pleasant, Think about the number of people like in the Central Michigan community. We hold the largest percentage in terms of like numbers of people. So that means like our actions, the things, the decisions we make have one of the largest, if not the largest, effects on the surrounding community. Whether that's like Mount Pleasant, um, like individuals or people who live on the tribe. And so I think that when we decide to decide to bring bring students back, and I'm for you know economic reasons, like. We're talking about who is our student population. Like our student population is predominantly white. Our faculty and staff are predominantly white. That means that economic well-being of the institution is about like white people's economic well-being. And so when we bring people back, like and we can deny this, we can say this isn't what we're intended to do. But this is like this is really kind of like at the crux of like this decision mm-hmm. is that we're saying that like even though we have like the tribe and these people who don't have any say, like they have no say in whether or not and what we do. Um, bring students back and we increase the risk. Like when we made that decision, we essentially said that the economic and academic or educational well-being of our like white, predominantly white base is more important than the lives of Native Indigenous individuals. White people have made decisions like this that put Native Indigenous people in danger historically and then thought, yeah, well, we needed to do this. You know, whether that's like the genocide and, and all the different things we did we all replicated history in a sense as a white institution 
um, predominantly one institution where we put the tribe in greater danger of COVID because of bringing um, predominantly white and you know student body, faculty, and staff back to work. The connection might be a little vague, but to me, I kind of see connection between the way we kind of see and portray Native people, environmental issues. So how do you kind of think our um, views of them kind of affect the things that they're fighting for? Um, I think what happens is people don't take them as seriously. Um, they don't think they know um, they're, you know, like someone may be more likely to assume that, that they would know better than them or, or have mm. a more educated or knowledgeable type of view or that their view is should be taken more seriously than, than a Native or Indigenous persons. And so I think that's the type of effect is that when we teach people that people are like less than, that they're like less civilized, less educated, less intelligent, when Native Indigenous peoples or groups are protesting or asking for, for different types of things, I think people take them less seriously. Um, can you just give a brief history about CMU's mascot and why we're called the Chippewas today? Um, okay, so brief history. Yeah, I, I probably should have read up more on the history uh, of, like, specifically. I, I, but I think, you know, I think it was back in the 1940s, like, uh, somebody wanted to name them, like, the, the university changed their name from the Dragons to the Chippewas. In that, like, I believe we got um, the okay from the local Ojibwe tribe, you know, from, you know, the, the Chippewa, like, Saginaw Chippewa tribe, but not the overall Chippewa nation. Um, mm -hmm. So we, like, talked with with one with the tribe locally here that we, we share some of their tribal lands. Um, from my understanding, there's been, like, different efforts and talks about whether or not to change the name. Um, I know that currently the president says that, like, um, if the tribe wanted to change it, we would change it. The university seems to feel like we're honoring the Chippewas by taking their name and likeness. Although I think that in the 90s or early 2000s, the tribe, like, have came and asked the university to change the name. Hmm. Um, and the, the university said no. Wow. Um, I haven't fact, I haven't verified that. That's, that was in one of the articles that we read. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so there could be different accounts. I would imagine that, that that's true. Well, that's that's kind of my understanding of, of where we're at. It's not, the, it's not that we're being maybe so much offensive with our use of the name. It's just the fact that we use an actual people's name as our name for our school, which and just mostly to sell merchandise and to keep the alumni happy is from what I'm hearing. Yeah, I, mean, I think you would probably have to ask people who uh, make those decisions or have been privy to those conversations mm -hmm. to really know, like, what is the rationale. My guess would be um, that, you know, white people run this university. They don't think it's a big deal. So, like, I have a, a T-shirt, like, Caucasians. Mm -hmm. and it has the Cleveland uh, Indians logo, and it's a white person with, like, a dollar sign in, in that. And, the hat, and like with a headband and dollar sign, <laughs> uh, like white people think like, you know, what's the big deal? Like if I call myself you, some like a group of people has like essentially slaughtered your people, stolen <laughs> your lands, tried to erase your culture through things like boarding schools, through like forced adoptions, um, through all these different practices that white people have done, like not only like legislatively made legal, but also then did like illegally to them. I don't know that like, if white people had that experience, then we would think like, cool, like call call yourselves, you know, your college or university, the Caucasians or the whiteies or, or the white people or, or whites, you mm -hmm. know, the, the flying whites, the racing whites, whatever <laughs> it is. Like, I don't think the white people would think that that's so so cool anymore. I don't think it's, it, you think it's so flattering when you have a group of people who decides to take your name after to eradicate your culture. And I think that's the big point here is that 
we were trying to eradicate Native Indigenous peoples and their culture and way of life, and yet we say like, hey, by the way, but now we want to take your name mm-hmm. as, as like a, as a compliment, as a way to like give you publicity. Like, actually, is like it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. White people for centuries, they tried to get rid of Native people and they were like, oh, but by the way, we're going to take your name just because we like it. And so with that in mind, if CMU if CMU says that the name Chippewa isn't offensive and that we continue to use the name Chippewa, if we have that name and we say that we respect the tribe so much and, um, and we want to help them out so much, should CMU teach our students and our faculty too about the Chippewa people whose name we have? Yes. I mean, first off, like, what, we, I mean, my stance would be we should change the name mm-hmm. um, regardless because I think it's offensive. Right, yeah. From Britain. I mean, we're making money off of people, like a group of people, like, and I don't mean we as in the people who are in power, but we benefited directly from the actions of other white people historically. First of all, I think we should we need to change the name, but I think this idea of teaching, yes, I think we need, to, we're going to say we have a relationship with the tribe. We need to do things to better honor history um, and the culture and the way of life of the tribe and, and helping students to understand like where they go to, to, to school at. Like if you were getting an education on a piece of land that like was taken from this tribe and mm-hmm. nation, the university, if we're talking about being anti-racist and, and being a, uh, a university that, that strives for justice, has an obligation and a responsibility to build its core curriculum, whether that's like take a class or a couple classes or different types of, you know, things beyond that. Um, well, I would say are, are the classes beyond that, um, as well as other types of programmatic or different mm-hmm. types of like, you know, outreach or collaborations with the tribe um, to, to, to honor, to bring in, to emphasize, to spotlight their culture, their way of life, and help that to, to not only just this, but to flourish and grow. Uh, yes, I would say absolutely. We have uh, we should be doing that. Right. When I um when I went to to speak to the cultural representative and he was kind of giving me a tour of like the facilities and and the reservation and and he was like um so do you know what this is do you know where this is and I was like no I've I've never heard of that before and then um I was speaking to somebody else at the seventh generation cultural center and they were kind of telling me about how. November is a very like sacred month to indigenous people and there's like a lot of uh, ceremonies that like happen and she was telling me about all kinds of just I thought very interesting things and things that I didn't know and and she was like did you know any of that and I was like no I had no idea (laughs) I'd never learned that before so that's why I really I really wanted to talk to you about you know CMU educating people Um, but going back to the leadership you you talked about a couple of times how we have white leadership at CMU and we historically have. So should our leaders be educated about the Chippewa people if they're going to be our leaders? He will make on record to say that our, our <laughs> lack education and, and need to be better educated about. Uh, I mean, I would say, um, you know, like whether or not this gets me in trouble, yes. <laughs> They, they need to be, so do faculty, so do staff. I don't think it's just about our president and you know, our board of trustees and, and our like upper administration. Like, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Everything I just said, if I would say, no, I don't think so, that would, I couldn't lie. Like, you basically asked me a question where I couldn't, even though that is actually how I feel, I couldn't say all the things I said before and be genuine and, uh, about 
those things and then be like, no, I don't, I think, no, I don't think that we're doing as a critical scholar and a critical, like uh, a person studies race critically. I don't think we're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm blasting university. Like I would say that every university in this country for the most part is doing not a good job yeah. uh, about this type of thing. Now, does that make it okay that we're not doing a good job? No. Then I think we say no, like that's, we're just lying and we're just perpetuating dominance of, of whiteness and white supremacy and white people over people of color that has historically happened. And if we want to be a university that is anti-racist, we have to be willing to, to face like some kinds of difficult truths. So yes, I think that everybody at the university needs to be better educated um, around the, the history of this, around the history of these lands, of you know the Ichabod, uh tribe and nation, uh, around like all of these different things that, that kind of like you know the context of, of how white people have directly benefited from white people's um, you know oppression and genocide and different things of different groups of color and specifically we're talking about native indigenous peoples i think yes we need to be much more especially for white people we need to be and i say me because i'm white we need to be better like educated and more aware because we often come from positions of power like the presidency or the board or the dean or vps or mm-hmm. things like that um at the point in time and the more aware we are and, and the, the better we understand these things, I, I think the more likely we make better choices and we, we share power and we do things in ways that, that aren't that are more inclusive and more just. Well, I hope I don't yes. get you fired. If we do, we'll like do a little Colin Kaepernick type thing. We'll pool money together to pay your paychecks. I promise. This isn't a direction. You know, what I said is not a direct shot at like, you know, the president or the board. Right. Um, it's an overall shot at the university that we just need to do better. Um, another thing that I remember talking um, about with the cultural representative, he was telling me about how the tribe in like the past couple of decades, they've been trying to buy back the land that was taken from them and, and they have to pay for it. And he was talking about how, you know, they really want to buy back more things because there are certain like kind of landmarks around town that belong to them and are like sacred to their people that they have to buy back. So they have to kind of wait and try to, you know, collect the money and everything. And so CMU, because CMU is kind of um, really, I guess, a leader in the community as far as like what what um, the Mount Pleasant area does, should CMU advocate more for um, like reparations? <laughs> Try and get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> your question. Now, you already know how I'm probably going to answer. You know, the audience probably. Hey, probably <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. Uh, first off, it's ridiculous that the lands that were taken from a group of people have to be purchased back by that group of people. Mm. Um, we don't even get into the long history of like the economic oppression that that uh, Native Indigenous people have like suffered at the hands of of like the United States and, and white people. This land is like, when you have land and you build things or do stuff on it, that allows economic like opportunity, you know, whether it's like just generating wealth because that land accrues value or that you open up businesses or have shops or different types of things that people that have been able to accrue wealth in this in this country has been over land ownership and, and the value, the, the you know increasing value of that land. Like you know, the native indigenous peoples have lost out on that opportunity to, to have that. Now they have to pay present day value Hmm. Um, instead of like, hey, they had that land for free. They already owned it. <laughs> and then and now later, 
they have to pay like who knows how much money. Mm. So yeah, no, I think the university should absolutely be advocating for every type of like, like we should. Get, I think our stance should be that they should get that land back for free. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not a political figure. I'm not the president. I'm not the board. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not in these different high level positions. So like, it's easier for me to say that and not have like people light up my, you know, donors and different people who disagree with me light up my email inbox and and my phone and decide to pull millions of dollars of support from the university. Um, you know, I get that this is not like, uh, like ramifications and consequences shouldn't exist. Like people shouldn't pull, mm. you shouldn't be able to threaten to pull like um, donations and stuff like that. Right. Uh, I mean, people just shouldn't do that. Like they should, but that's because like we have a white perspective and white people like, you know, as a nation and people are socialized with that, they'll not really like think, um so just to kind of end out the interview you've given me a lot of information i really appreciate it um but just your final thought i guess what would you like to see going forward with cmu do with the students do in relation to the tribe um yeah i mean i think i go back to first off like um you know and, and this is the president's right the president i disagree uh, on on the nickname, I think the president and the board and the university needs to take a stronger stance and say, you know what, this isn't right. We shouldn't profit off of their likeness. The money, the amount of money that we have historically made over the last 70, 60 to 70 years is just disproportionately like going to CMU. But the money, in light of what the United States and white people have in power, uh, the decisions they've made that have directly benefited like historically and who go to and work at this university disproportionately benefited them. So I would like to see us to reverse that decision and take a stronger, more public stance in support of the tribe and, and, and also other ways like whether you're talking about like land reparations. I would like to see us use a more anti-racist framework hmm. um, you know, and like uh, post-colonialist uh, like framework and you know narrative and language. I would like to see us um, you know, do more for Native Indigenous um, students at campus in terms of like uh, what that would be supporting our schools or um, you know events, as well as um, giving an outlets for them to uh, to explore, to express, to um, you know represent their culture and way of life. To also like um, you know doing a better job of educating faculty and staff on how not to. Uh, how to talk about Native Indigenous peoples mm-hmm. on the history of Native Indigenous peoples. Um, I think that would be a, a good start. Um, I think instituting a class or at least one or multiple classes, like you know, like UP. I don't know our core curriculum. Like if we have like UPs and you know part of your gen eds, like you had one or two or three courses you had to take mm-hmm. on this. And I think the course around Native Indigenous like history and but also like a critical like historical look at Native Indigenous history and like white in the history, you know, in relation to white, like whites and the United States. And well, um, thank you again for joining me. I really appreciated this. Yeah. I guess, do you have anything to kind of plug? I always ask people that, but you're a professor, so. <laughs> do I have anything to plug? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I can plug like the intergroup dialogue program. <laughs> um, we have conversations um, in the classes I teach and, and uh, and it's not just like the, so when I say classes I teach, I'm talking about like the CGL 145 and, um, you know, like, uh, 
you know, some of those classes. So I think if you're interested in these types of things, you want to learn more or think more critically in these types of ways, um, then taking courses like, you know, CGL 145, Racism, Discrimination in the United States, through like, you know, dialogue or like a WGS 100 or, or some of these other like critical, like based courses, these are the types of like things that we, conversations and, and ways that we try and engage with material. Um, you know, so I guess that's, that's it. I mean, outside of like, you know, Black Lives Matter and mm. so do all other lives of color, we need to continue. I think we oftentimes forget about Native and Indigenous peoples. Uh, so it isn't just about like, um, you know, one racial, racial group or another, but we need to continue racial justice and gender justice and social justice in general. Thank you for joining me on Underlying Frequencies. Um, don't forget to follow me on Instagram. I'm at Underlying Frequencies on Instagram. Also follow my other Instagram page because I'm vain. It's Savidra Maya, S-A-V-E-D-R-A dot M-A-Y-A on Instagram. One time I went to Burrito Bowl and I had killer makeup on and this lady was like, oh my gosh, you makeup artist? And I was like, no. And she was like, oh my gosh, we could be. And I said, thank you. Yeah, true story. That actually happened. I uh, don't mean to talk about myself, but I absolutely will. So have a nice, wonderful day. Have a nice, wonderful um, thank Miss Break. So that is all. Bye-bye now.